0: Thank you so much for listening to exactly with me florence given this is our first episode on our brand new mini series and it's actually the final mini series of season one but don't worry season two will be happening for now though i'm so excited to chat with a lineup of amazing guests all about relationships. This is my favourite topic, I'm completely fascinated with people, how we relate to each other, how other people can bring things out of us that we never knew existed. I think the way that we treat each other and the way we form bonds with people and why we form those bonds with people is endlessly fascinating. So in this mini season on relationships I'll be talking to my guests and taking on board all of their wisdom and I can't wait. As always, in the fourth episode of this mini series, we're opening up the conversation to you. You can send me a message or a voice note via our podcast WhatsApp number at 447890302665. So, back to today's episode, I'm joined by podcasting royalty Elizabeth Day. She is the host of the How to Fail podcast, has written seven books and her new podcast, Best Friend Therapy, sees Elizabeth and her best mate who's a therapist, Emma Reed Turrell, pick apart how we can all set better boundaries and looking at how other people's expectations of us impact the way we relate to each other. So I wanted to talk about friendships first with Elizabeth because so much of the emphasis is on romantic relationships and I don't think we actually really acknowledge and take the time to look at how important friendships are and how they change and grow and often deteriorate throughout our adult lives. I remember growing up, I always thought that my my besties in primary school were gonna be with me forever and no one really talks about the heartbreak of friendship. We rarely talk about how to navigate friendship, how to be a good friend, how to have boundaries and even how to break up with friends when those relationships no longer serve us. Your friends and the company you keep shape you, from the advice they give you to their own decisions and their own lifestyle choices. The famous saying is, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. And I think it's so accurate and so true. And your friends do reflect back to you all the different parts of yourself. I can't wait to speak to Elizabeth Day about this. She's an absolute master interviewer herself and How To Fail is one of my favorite podcasts. She has a way of getting people to open up and expose their vulnerabilities with such sensitivity and wisdom that is just so fucking hard to master. Elizabeth recently said something in an interview that I just found so poignant. She said, we're all used to the idea of working on a romantic relationship and we've normalized the concept of seeking outside help when needed in those scenarios. But there's a sense around modern friendships that they just come naturally in order to be worthwhile. I think she's absolutely right and I can't wait to explore this topic more with her today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming in to talk to me today. I didn't know that you were coming into the studio, so I'm just absolutely <laughs> so, so delighted to meet you in person. Um, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Yeah? I'm
1: delighted to meet you in person too. I sort of insisted, I was like, no, I want to do this one <laughs> yes. in the flesh, because yes. I want to meet Florence. Yeah. So that's why I'm here. Oh, it's amazing.
0: A <laughs> thank you so much. I have So much I want to talk to you um, about today. But first of all, I'm going to go in with my five icebreaker questions that I ask all of my guests. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, number one, what's one thing that sets your soul on fire?
1: Marmite on crumpets gorgeous
0: okay <laughs> okay number two if you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life a look that would define you forever what would that be doesn't have to be comfortable doesn't have to be practical like how would Elizabeth Day like to be remembered by the way your name's amazing and I can't stop saying it
1: oh thank you <laughs> thanks yeah I quite like the fact that my surname's a single syllable it's so I think cool okay the outfit that defines me the rest of my life is a perfectly impeccably tailored trouser suit okay what's the pattern on it there's it's probably either like um a kind of velvet, but no pattern, just a single color. Okay. Like, a, I've got a really lovely one that I love at the moment, which is a kind of ochre velvet. Oh. Yeah, or a dark blue velvet. Oh. Actually, a dark blue velvet tuxedo No, because you're not
0: going to believe this. Because today, a dark blue velvet suit arrived in my flat.
1: Shut up. because yep, you order I, I, it? Ordered, or?
0: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ordered it months just ago. Just manifested yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I ordered it months ago from Etsy. It has these cute little shoulder pads oh. that make me feel fucking incredible. Yes. Um, so that arrived literally just before I got here. Um, opened it up and I was like, there she fucking is. That <laughs> my, so weird. my blue velvet suit, yeah. Okay. Uh next question. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you before they know you?
1: I think people misunderstand, it's not necessarily that they get it wrong because it's kind of flattering. Okay. I think they think that I seem calm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like and I have it sorted, and yeah. actually I am riven with anxiety and worry like the rest of everyone on this planet. But I've always been what my mother would call a worrier, but what in modern parlance we would call someone with anxiety. Okay. So I always overthink everything. Mm.
0: And are you someone that always ends up pulling it off?
1: most of the time. Yeah. And I will drive myself (laughs) into the ground almost doing that. Yes.
0: My dad explains it almost like a duck swimming in the water where it looks so peaceful, but underneath its legs are going like crazy. Crazy. And that's how my dad describes it. And that's how it came to me in my head when you said that then.
1: That's exactly it. And I think it's partly because when I was at school, I was lucky enough, but also... (laughs) (laughs) unlucky enough, to be put onto this debate team. Okay. And and you're taught, well, I was taught anyway, to appear calm but also to smile when you're speaking because it gets Mm. the audience on side. Okay, And I learnt that at such an early age that quite often... Even people who know me really well will have no idea of what's going on until I reach breaking point and I'm suddenly like, I can't do it, Mm. I can't do it. And that's happened a couple of times in my life with like spectacular implosion. Okay. But I'm getting better at handling it now. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Okay, so next question. Uh, Well, maybe I feel like you just answered this one. Um, Finish the rest of the sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to...
1: Work-life balance. And also just... A, a work in progress as a person, as a fully realized being. I'm, I'm just a constant work in progress in that respect. Great
0: answer. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Next question. Last question. When was the last time you majorly
1: cringed at yourself? <laughs> oh my god! All the time. Today, <laughs> when I was getting dressed, I was like, "What should I wear for Florence Given?" Okay.
0: <laughs> the blue velvet suit, obviously. Oh, if only because <laughs> you always look
1: so amazing and oh, have such a you. sense of style. And I was like, I don't know. And I cringed at myself because I was like, "Am I dressing too young?" <laughs> Because I tried no. to impress
0: her. Oh my god. So I'm honored that you even thought that coming to meet me today. Because also I didn't even know
2: I was coming. To you.
1: <laughs> and you all, and you look amazing. Oh, so you didn't you. even know. Anyway, yeah, so I cringe at myself all all of the time. All, okay. all of the time. Okay. And actually, I think that's a really healthy sense of absurdity that yes. I have about myself. It I never is. take myself too seriously. Yeah, it's,
0: it's really good. A little bit of self-awareness every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, lovely. Now let's get right into it. So this episode is all about friendship um, and boundaries and relationships in general. And you and your friend Emma co-host the Best Friend Therapy podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about how you started the podcast with Emma?
1: Yes. So Emma has been my best friend for the last 20 years or so. We met at university. I met her in Freshers Week. I walked into the bar and I saw this woman who was like a goddess <laughs> with long blonde hair wearing a slogan t-shirt and she was surrounded by a group of salivating males and she and they were all like bursting into laughter at things she said and I just thought we're not going to get on. And there's no way I'm going to be friends with her. Fast forward, um, we actually bond over knowing Austin Powers dialogue oh which dates us. Um, And we've been best friends ever since. And uh, she became a psychotherapist in her 20s, in her late 20s. And I have the joy of getting the benefit of all of her wisdom and expertise for free. And yes. she's so incredible. And I'm a huge believer in the power of therapy. And I just wanted to open up the conversations that I'm lucky enough to have with her yeah. to a wider audience. And the reason it happened is because she published a book last year called Please Yourself, which is about how not to be a people pleaser. Okay. It's amazing. And she came on my Ordering other... Ordering it in my head already. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Along with the suits. velvet suit. yes. yeah. Um, She came on my other podcast, How to Fail, to talk about fail so uh she had three failures and we discussed it and we also discussed people pleasing and there was such an amazing response to that from women who predominantly women actually from women who loved our dynamic as friends but also loved her wisdom and so it was about then bringing that to kind of wider platform and that's the start of best friend therapy which has only just launched but I'm really proud of it. We both are. And it's basically conversations between the two of us where she's the therapeutic expert. Mm. I'm her best mate. Yeah. And we chat about a different topic every every single week. So mm. we've done boundaries imposter syndrome games we play in relationships and shoulds and oughts
0: Games we play in relationships as in uh, like almost the silent power kind yes, of thing Yes, not yeah. Monopoly which yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I thought Just to <laughs> clarify <laughs> <laughs> favourite game favourite yeah. board game
1: <laughs> uh, but She was super fascinating about that one because she revealed that so many of us have this kind of parent-adult-child dynamic triangulation within With us With our best friends or With within... everyone in our okay. lives So it can be a boss it can be a colleague it can be a romantic partner or it can be a friend Friendship. or it can be within your families where you, if it's your sort of childlike self, it's the one that fears things are going to spiral out of control and what can you do about it. If it's your parent self, it's the kind of admonishing self-critical voice. Right. And the goal is actually to be the well-balanced adult Okay, instead of driving your own car.
0: I find that there's like a different, different energy of floss that thrives within different friendships.
1: Do you have that or? Definitely. And I think it's one of those things that I've only just realised Is a real positive because for ages I thought that I was being inauthentic or fake or not myself. It's very different. Exactly. But then I realized that the complexity and beauty of being human is that we do have multiple facets, Mm. and some people will draw that out more than others. And we have different energies with different friendships, and that's a really wonderful thing. The only energy to be really wary of is draining energy Mm. where you emerge from a conversation or an evening spent with a friend and you feel really just empty because you're sort of given of your soul yes and quite often i found those friendships you rehash the same conversations over and over again where someone will be asking you to fix something for them or just to be able to offload emotionally on you and the one thing that I think defines a really great friendship is a sort of generous reciprocity yeah. where you feel like you're also getting something back.
0: And you're so, you're so this is what I found, I don't mind pouring myself, for my fr- myself out for my friends knowing that I'm secure enough in that friendship that she'll be doing it for me next week. A hundred But I know within me, within my bones, within my gut when that's not going to happen. And yeah. that, that that that's when it's almost like your body acts as this, uh, what's the quote? Like your body is the most accurate barometer of how you feel about things.
1: My body tells me when something's a bit off. It's so interesting you say that. It's so serendipitous, this podcast, not just because of the blue velvet suit, but... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm- <laughs> I'm so happy about that. <laughs> but also because I'm writing a book about friendship at the okay, moment. Yeah. And, and so I've been doing a lot of kind of research and I've discovered so much about friendships, but also about myself. Mm. And one of the things that I found super interesting is that there's your out-and-out toxic friend who never wants the best for you, who's always kind of passive-aggressively undermining you, mm. who you know, see, like deep down, you sort of know that person is good for you. Mm. But as bad for your health is an ambivalent friend who is sometimes passive-aggressive and undermining, but sometimes so generous and lovely and kind of free-spirited and fun to be around. Mm. But because of the unpredictability of that, we can never feel safe in that friendship. Yeah. And I think you're so right that your body kind of tells you.
0: It always does. And um, there are things that we cling to, I feel, to almost rationalise and just justify those behaviours because, oh, well, I love them. We've been friends for years. We have this X, Y, and Z in common. It's the same with fucking relationships. Like, yeah. You're always clinging to, to the good bits or whatever because you almost have to mourn this entire idea of who they were. What does that also mean about you to be with that yes. person if this is who they are? And you have to move people from being safe to unsafe, and that's really scary. And so that, true. that's what I found with um, friends is that you don't want to have to put someone into the unsafe category. Yeah, there, is, there are so many... Um, different ways that your body tells you this kind of stuff. And often I find a good indicator, or a bad indicator of a friendship, but a good indicator that uh, your gut is right is when you hide things from the people that do you do love and trust. So if I'm not telling my mum something about a date or a friend, I know it's probably a bit fucked <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. It's like if I'm not telling her something or um, my best friend, if I'm not telling my best friend this thing about this person I'm dating... I'm like, why aren't you saying that? Because you know that
1: you want to ignore it. You want the red flags to like. That's a great metric. mm. And I would also say if you're hiding things from the friend in question or the romantic partner in question, that's also an indicator. Because there are certain friends in my past who I hid it when I had something good to share. I know I mean how bad is that <laughs> yeah 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 mm. and if that's happening if you feel like you have to take the emotional responsibility of handling their mental state when something good happens to you I mean there are phases in mm. every friendship that you know you're sensitive as to what you do and you don't say you might tell them a week
0: after because they've just had the worst fucking news of their life and are exactly. not gonna take over the pre like you're not gonna yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. But
1: if it's becoming routine and a habit mm-hmm. then that's definitely an internal alarm bell
0: So when it comes to female friendships, I have found it previously really hard to express when I'm hurt um, and it's often come out in passive aggression. I'm I'm way more better at it now to the point where I'm almost like incredibly direct with my friends and will always set time aside to talk to them. You talk a lot about in your podcast about how communication is really important. What ways of communicating can women adopt to avoid those passive aggressive things those those leaving each other out of social situations all that like relational aggression that we have what are some other ways that we can actively work to make our friendships better with each other
1: well, I think communication is key. But one of the things that I've learned from Emma actually doing best friend therapy is that not all communication has to be verbal. Now, this blew my mind. So you can have a non verbal boundary where you don't need to explain it, you don't need to be defensive about it. It just needs to be there. So, for instance, an example in my friendships is I hate the phone. I hate phone calls. Okay. I love texts and voice notes. (laughs) Okay. How do you feel about FaceTime? Actually, weirdly, FaceTime is pretty good too. Yeah, me too. Uh, Yeah, it's weird. It's something about about seeing a face, seeing someone's face. Yeah. (laughs) I sort of need that. I need to kind of see. Yeah, it's the empathy. You can see their expression. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I just, most of my friends now know (laughs) through habit that if they call me on the phone in a conventional way, I won't answer. Okay that's my example of a right. non-verbal boundary. Okay. That's not me being rude, it's just not my favorite form of communication and mm-hmm. that's fine. For like that should be fine. Yes. Because friendships are about approaching each other with a generosity of spirit. So mm-hmm. instead of thinking, oh she hates me, it's gone to voicemail, just think the phone's not her thing. So that's one thing. Not all communication needs to be verbal. Mm. That really really helped me. I think the other thing is It is also completely fine for you to say if you are, for instance, offered an invitation from a friend who wants to meet up with you for dinner, or uh, you want to invite your friend to a party, and it just so happens that Emma doesn't really love parties, and so she got into the practice of saying to me, That's not going to work for me, but I would love to celebrate another way with just you because I would like to see just you. I would prefer that than coming to a party and having to share you with lots of people. And my introverted self just doesn't want to do that. Mm. And that's such a loving way of doing it. Yeah. instead of feeling bad that you've said no to something you can say no and offer an alternative that suits you best that rescheduling taking ex- activity exactly yeah like I might have a really busy week and not be able to go for dinner because that's the only night I have to myself mm. and that's fine you don't need to explain it you can just say I'm really sorry dinner won't work for me but how about this <laughs> so that's another really good way of communicating that's the
0: other thing isn't it time alone it almost doesn't um I've I've experienced this as someone who is like freelance and I'm very much controlled my schedule more or less um that people almost don't take the schedule seriously so when you say um you know you're like, I'm writing my book they're like well I'll come sit with you in the cafe oh, no 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 babes <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't when I come home and um and I come home to my office of my sister said, I say don't talk to me because I'm literally in the novel and she's like saw it and now we just have this thing where she doesn't talk to me when I go in after I've been writing my book or I say I need the space whatever and it's yeah, I think like an energetic boundary sometimes can work that you don't need to communicate. But I think it's it's hard for people sometimes to, and I know I think a lot of people listening will feel this way, to not also so we're very good at setting boundaries, but it's it's accepting other people's yeah. because that's that's the other thing. If if you have like a, a pattern of a friendship and a pattern is established and someone changes it, we, it can be perceived as rejection, Definitely. right? When when I all of a sudden was no longer this people pleasing fucking doormat, I did say to my friends. I wanna let you know, I'm going through a lot of changes and I love you, but I need to do a lot of stuff that means I'm gonna love you even more now because I'm not gonna resent the fuck out of you, I'm not gonna resent spending time with you because I'll say no when you ask to hang out instead of yeah, okay, and going there the whole time, feeling annoyed that I'm here. And I feel like I called them resentment chips. So they weren't friendships, they were resentment chips where I just I was with this person and then you don't really wanna be there because you've got deadlines, you got this or that. And now I actually just say no when I can't do things and then say, you deserve my undivided attention. Let's do Saturday, let's do Sunday, let's do something else instead. But the resentment just builds and builds and builds because we don't communicate.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing that Emma's taught me is that when you're a people pleaser, you're training people to come to you to be pleased. So the only way you can stop (laughs) that happening is to train them in a different way. That makes friendships sound like dogs, which I don't mean (laughs) at all. But I really struggle with, with clear communication in friendships because... Because love is so important to me and my friends are the biggest love of my life. And so I never want to intentionally hurt any of my Mm. loved ones. But I think it comes down to what would I rather? And I think I'd always rather know if someone has an issue or a problem or something that they need to air with me. I think I'd rather know than be ghosted, which has happened to me twice in friendships. And it is... (gasps) Isn't yeah, it me too.
0: It's horrible. It's m- one, probably the most one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever been through.
1: Yeah, and it's a slow motion heartbreak. Mm. It takes months, yep. and years. And you know to before over. they do, sometimes. Yeah, I'm now at peace with with the ghostings because I realise that if that's how retrospectively, someone retrospectively, retrospectively, yeah, if that's how someone is going to respond to something that's happening in my life, and I think with one example, it was because I was getting happier. And they didn't like that yes. on yep. a subconscious level. Yep. If that's how they respond, then I don't want that kind of mm-hmm. friend. And in a way, just because a friendship ends doesn't make the friendship itself a failure. Yes. I talk a lot about that on How to Fail, about the idea that a relationship still exists. It's still You still have all of the memories all of the wonder, all of the shared experiences, and that person has probably taught you something really valuable that you Mm -hmm. needed to know, and you can let them go with love, and it's not
2: a failure just because it ends. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald. when you said about your, your
0: friends um, kind of ghosting you and phasing you out, whatever, when you became happier, it does often leave you thinking about what were the original terms of that friendship then? Yeah. yeah. If I've now broken them by being happy. Yes. So where did you need me? What were you getting from that? Um, and it's, it's really it's really uncomfortable. You, you do you do reevaluate because no no friendship has spoken terms. Every, everything is unspoken. You know, apart from like monogamy or like yeah. whatever it is, or I'll meet you here at this time. Yeah, I think pe- people don't like to talk about. The heartbreak of friendship because you can almost, at least for me, I always thought that friends were with you forever. Yeah, and I th- I I got into that headspace of well these are my girls they're good they're going to be here forever as I'm happy for them so obviously
1: they're happy for me and that's just
0: not always the case.
1: No, and that's uh, when you were saying there that, that there are no spoken terms of friendship there are no rituals either there is no wedding there is no, no. divorce there is no Cleverly articulated way to break up with a friend, yeah. And there is with a romantic partner to such an extent that it's become a cliche. Because you can only have one. Because exactly. you have to get rid of you have exactly. to do the so you can move on or whatever. Yes. Whereas there isn't friendship monogamy. <laughs> like, yeah, like people would think you were batshit if you're like, I've just got one friend, one bestie, and I'm staying loyal to yes. them for the, forever, and no one mm. else is allowed in and it's become a cliche to say things like it's not you it's me like that there is so there are so many phrases you can reach for to break up with a romantic partner and vanishingly few for friends mm.
0: because and- because you could just keep them around yes. like technically but but you know you're not going to be that good and it's it's that for me it's always that elephant in the room of like the friendship isn't the same anymore and you just yeah. kind, you kind of it's yeah,
1: and I think the best friendships grow with you and allow space for everyone to evolve within that friendship mm. dynamic. But it's so interesting what you said about thinking your friends are sort of like growing up with the assumption that your friends are there for life. Mm. Now, where has that assumption come from? It's probably come from. Culture, popular culture, Um, it's probably come to be frank from an age, from from bygone ages when people's life expectancy was a lot shorter. Like we always have to question where those internalized assumptions come from and whether they actually serve us as individuals
0: because they might not. Because if you think about it also, I feel like people are, are evolving and growing at a much more rapid rate now with social media, with the the, the, the wider social acceptance of gender roles being a bit more blurred, with sexuality, with increased awareness of all this stuff. I think more people are coming to realise who they are. Whereas in the olden days, when we only had 200 people in our communities, you wouldn't probably change that much. You're not thinking about fucking evolving. You're actually thinking about surviving and not being killed <laughs> by the saber-toothed tiger. It's f- such fucking privilege to be able to sit here and go, what boundary should I work on this week? And I feel like because of that, you do outgrow sets of people a lot quicker than maybe you would have in the olden days when you were just having babies and eating fruit.
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> Foraging for berries. You know? It is a massive privilege, you're right. But I also think it's a huge necessity in a way that it wasn't oh, in the yeah. past because as you say, our friendship groups have evolved to such a point that they're massive.
2: Mm-hmm. We have
1: them on social media. We have friends we've never Thousands. met. We also have like 24-hour communication, which my mother's generation didn't have. Oh my God, like that's to,
0: so weird. I didn't even yes. think about that. Yeah,
1: my mother would write a letter, like Christmas cards. three to that, my business how, days, babe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I can hear you. <laughs> Christmas card once a year just to say what the family's been up to or a landline phone call. Like they, they yeah. used to be, you know, kind of magnificent Occasions, yeah. Whereas now communication is so easy and that's wonderful, but it also cheapens it. So true. So there's this expectation that if you've got in touch with someone, they must get back to you immediately, and if they don't, you've either done something wrong, they've done something wrong, mm. you're a bad person, they're a bad person, and none of it is value free, and it's just exhausting. So I think that's why mm. we also have why why we're talking so much about boundaries now in 2022. Because we can't exist in a safe mental health space without getting very familiar with boundaries.
0: I think it's really important that we don't avoid conflict in our friendships and that we do address it. So I'm bisexual and I mostly date women. And that is so confusing. I've had really difficult conversations with me with female friends about... We can't do this because this is what girlfriends would do, or like this is too romantic, or this wow. is that, or and it's those lines become really blurred. But I tell them every single time, and they tell me I really had to learn
1: to be very direct with my friends. Well, that's a perfect example of loving communication. Yeah. And look verbal. at how your friends responded. There's this therapeutic term, kind of rupture and repair, that idea that when we have conflict and when we face it, we come back stronger as a result. And I do think that there's an enormous space for that in yeah. friendship. And for me, when I need to put a boundary in place is when there's repeated behavior that makes me feel bad mm. or sad or um just guilty like yeah. a repeated behavior that someone else has shown themselves capable of that keeps happening that's what i need to put a boundary in but a boundary is not there for me just to shoo away any uncomfortable uncomfortable conflict or feeling of discomfort about yes. anything else that's the wrong application for me personally mm-hmm. so i think that again those two things can coexist but I think the most important thing from what you said there is like how well your your friends responded to that clarity of mm. communication and what a generous thing that was for you to do. Rupture and repair. Rupture and repair. I like that, yeah. I remember my other half saying to me something really interesting where a friend of mine, I felt that they had let me down and he said, well, in a way you're closer to that person now because they've taught you something about your, about themselves that you need to know. So, oh my God, yeah. They've taught you something about themselves that you needed to know about them. And thinking in that way really helped me. That's so good. Isn't that wise? Yep. Because the unspoke their actions. It's their no longer actions. words, it's no
0: longer how they've been with you, it's how they handled a situation. You've almost got to look at it objectively and yes. say, could I actually be friends with someone that handles a situation with me in that exactly? Way? And yeah. what
1: would it say about you? to your other friends, if you carried on being friends with that person, that like, what would it say? Would it say that you have very low standards for friendship? Yeah. And what, how would that make your other friends feel like your real true friends? You're like, we've been in it, Floss, since yeah. the beginning, and now you're just letting in this person. Yes, here. Like it's almost a sort of, you have to think of it as a nightclub where there are certain things yeah. that you require from your friends in order to be allowed through the door.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and I hope that doesn't sound too... Um, Exclusive. No. Because I don't mean it to at all. I think I want it to sound clear and like this is what I can give as a friend, and this is what I expect in return. And that's all that we need is like a generosity of intent yes, and a kindness of spirit. I like spirit. that
0: phrase, generosity of intent, the yeah. spirit of generosity. I think it's really nice.
1: I think a better word than exclusive is principled. Like you have to stand for something in life. In friendship, mm. as in everything else, because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Doormat In, in the world's <laughs> words of NWA. But, um, <laughs> so I, I definitely think that it is okay for you to have friendship principles mm. and to live by that value. And that thing about consistency is so true true. Because for me, it's not about consistency of communication. It's about consistency of reaction. I need to feel safe in all my relationships is what I've realized now in my 40s. It's taken me a long time. Mm. I need to feel safe and I need to feel that you will think the best of me in any given situation. And obviously there might be some things I do that are really hurtful or awful, and I hope that the other person will raise that with me, but that they will do that from a position of thinking the best of me.
0: Yeah, Elizabeth's just having a bad day, I'll give her some time. Not immediately jump to well, we need
1: to talk about this. Exactly. Or she doesn't have enough time for me because look at her on Instagram being all busy. and like Yes.
0: Because, and also, like you said, your thing is that you you find it really hard to express when you're anxious. You're duck on the water, peddling underneath. Your friend's (laughs) like, fucking hell, she's living this life on Instagram. Yes. Like, you need someone to be like, I know Elizabeth better than that. She's probably fucking struggling. Let me reach out anyway. Which is
1: ex- exactly what Emma does. Yeah, like she has this thing she calls it her spidey senses, and she'll <laughs> then leave me a voice note being like, "My spidey senses are saying yeah. that you might be having a tough time." Yeah, although it's someone who can see the feet paddling.
0: Yeah, that's really important in any relationship, romantic or platonic. That that's incredible. So, Elizabeth, my listeners have been in touch with some questions on relationships and friendships. Can you give me a hand answering them?
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: Question number one. Is there ever a right way to break up with a friend? And can you make up again?
1: Yes and yes. But I think there's a right way to break up with an individual friend that only you will know. So it's not like there's one template Mm, you can use for everything. You can definitely make up again. And I've had that experience, as we were talking earlier about rupture and repair. It makes the friendship stronger Mm. because when you come back together, there's this clarity of communication. There's nothing to fear anymore because you've done the breakup, you've been through the worst and you've survived it. And that can be a really beautiful second act, your friendship. But in terms of breakups, um, I'm very conflict avoidant. Okay, (laughs) And um, it's taken me to be ghosted myself to understand that that for me is not an acceptable way Mm. of ending a friendship. So I did end a friendship during the pandemic, which I think it's probably a very familiar story for many listeners because we've all been under this process of re-evaluation of how we want to fill our time. Yeah, And um, that friendship was a long time coming. And I ended up texting that person and saying, I'm at a slightly different stage in my life right now and I've just got my own stuff to get on with. And I can't give the time that I would like to our friendship, but I send you nothing but love. And I wish you all the best of the future. And I sent that text. Mm. And that it was like, honestly, I can't tell you the anxiety I felt in phrasing it and then sending it. My test like tightened. (sighs) I know. (laughs) Hearing that, yeah. But then the liberation that came afterwards. For both of you. For both of us. And that particular friend has responded so well mm. in a way I never would have anticipated actually in a very loving way yeah and I think sometimes just saying that you need a bit of space is absolutely okay yeah and it doesn't mean that that friendship is over forever but it does mean that there's time for reevaluation mm-hmm. from what you want and often you can't you can't process that or understand it unless you do take a step back so that's something that I did
0: and you lead by example so it's almost like I think Glennon Doyle says. Um, there's no such thing as one-way liberation and every time you do something you also liberate the other person to go yes. and find it's almost like a baton of liberation you're like okay now you go find what's really good for you and i think that's the same with friendships it's like that unconscious un- conscious uncoupling yeah where you both set each other free to do what you actually want to do instead of this tether that exists you almost like an elastic band that's on its last edge and you just need to snip it so you can just like soar yes um that that's how i felt with friendships that ended really nicely
1: have you ever had arguments with friends like proper shouty no me neither no i mean i don't tend to have shouty arguments anyway no because i'm just so repressed it's really it's really
0: (laughs) important for me to be friends with people who are still kind when they're angry yeah so that's not the low blows if anyone dares um to kind of bring up your moments of, of of like your insecurities, the things that you confided with them. I read something the other day that just it made perfect sense. It was something like when someone uses something against you in an argument. Well, you haven't been doing this, like you said, whatever. And they use your insecurities against you. It could be anything. It could be height. It could be your weight. It could be your relationship status. It could be anything. Someone use that against you. If that trust is almost it cannot ever really be mended the same because they've shown that they can use the things that you hold dearly as a weapon against you.
1: And they haven't told you in the moment if it bothered them. They've stored it up like a squirrel storing Um, up bitterness nuts and then they let them explode.
0: Yes, and yes, that too. How can I ever trust you if you won't tell me when I've done something wrong because I want to fucking know and I don't want to know that there's, yeah, the the chestnuts being stored up.
1: (laughs) The bitterness nuts? Yeah. That sounds like a dating app. Okay. Um, the bitterness
0: <laughs> not <nuts. laughs> Okay, next question. My best friend started dating my brother. I love them both, but sometimes I feel the boundaries get blurry and it's put me in an uncomfortable situation. Do you have any advice? My, my first thing would be to tell them. Yes. To just tell them because neither of them might know, like we've discussed today, women are very good at hiding when we're uncomfortable. We say, oh my God, yeah, it's fine. You might even be telling them that you're so cool yeah. with it. You said you love them both. I assume that they love the shit out of you in return and they would hate to think that you're going to bed at night feeling really uncomfortable. Um, that's the only thing I would say is, is to communicate that if you haven't already.
1: I would agree with that. And I also come from a point of lived experience <laughs> in that um, I once dated the brother of one of my closest friends. And what I learned from that is be totally unapologetic about claiming your friendship. Your friendship exists separately from their relationship. So you can absolutely continue to conduct your friendship. And it's that thing of having time just for the two of you as friends, doing friend things like you used to do. Mm. I think that the slight issue is... As friends, you often talk about your romantic relationships, and that must be so difficult. And I, my heart really goes out to you. Like my friend dealt with it so well, and I don't really know how she did it. Yeah. But we're now, we like her brother and I broke up and we're closer than ever, <laughs> sort of because of it. Yeah. And we've yeah. managed to navigate that. But um, I think what I would say is that this is a transitional phase. And if it is, if it's only just started happening. Just allow yourself like a good few months to settle into this transitional phase because it will pass and it will get easier. And in the end, it will feel like you've gained a sister or a brother rather than losing a friend. And and so just like just knuckle down for these few months cuz i i my heart goes out to you but i promise you that it will get better and just be unapologetic about claiming your friendship
0: yeah that's really amazing advice so almost like create the microcosm of the friendship and see them as separate entities yeah exactly okay next question i recently had a lifelong friend dump me without an explanation how do i go about healing from that
1: oh well we can both relate to that can't yes. we floss yes. So- <laughs> The first thing I would say is to be really gentle with yourself, because this is something that you will have to grieve. And grief is complicated and different, and it can manifest in so many varied ways. And for me, my personal process was very, very slow. That's not to say that I felt acute grief for months on end. It's to say that it kind of came and went. And I went through all the cycles of grief. Like, I went through anger, I went through denial. And then I just became more at peace with it because I understood that it wasn't about me, it was actually about her. It was about unresolved emotional issues that she had and baggage that she carried from all of her life up to that point. And there was nothing I could have done differently. And I... And I went through a whole phase of like, was I a good enough friend? Did I do enough? And for me, it was a sort of gradual process of her distancing herself. And I really questioned that afterwards. I was like, should I have made more of an effort? But actually, I was, I think, respecting her nonverbal boundary that she needed some space. Yeah. And and so in the end, I just allowed myself to be at peace with it. And the way that I am at peace with it is to choose to rejoice and celebrate in the friendship that we did have and what you provided for each other exactly at a specific time in our lives and i think that's how you can cope with it is to understand that that friendship was only ever meant to be for a certain phase in your life and it's taught you what you needed to know and you can move on with love still in your heart for that person
0: yeah that's amazing i went through all the stages of grief as well the last one acceptance um Female friendships, we get so fucking close, and I love women so much. You know, we've been talking a lot about the, the issues of female friendship, but God, female friendship is so beautiful. We have this language that you create the, a universe with this person. So when that ends, you've just got all of these inside jokes in your head that never see the light of day again, and that is so sad yeah. because you, you you create this language, you create these these silly words that you say on these things or. And you, sometimes you go, it's like a breakup. You go to do something, oh, you don't get that because you're not that person and all of this stuff. And it is allow yourself to feel that sadness because I didn't let myself feel like that for a while um, because even with social media, you think the friendship is still alive and it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking. So I'd say just allow yourself to be really sad, to cry about it um, because this person probably has formed a big part of your life if you've been friends with them for years. And yeah, for me, when I got to the acceptance part, Um, I just felt calm and I just felt happy for them and for us and happy that it was over in a way that I felt it was absolutely the best thing that could have happened because it sets you both free and it it just creates up a a void in your life to be filled with things that really are meant for you. I remember when I'd finally accepted a few different friendship breakups over the last few years, all of this love started pouring in. Um, incredible things were happening to me. And it was because I'd accepted that it wasn't for me. And then you almost just kind of, just let all the good stuff come in. Yeah. And I think well, if if you almost have that bit of hope, however bad it feels for you right now, something else is going to come. And it could be a work opportunity. It could be um, someone you meet on the street. It could be a completely different friendship group. It could be a date. It could be anything. But good things are going to come and fill that space that you two were meant to free up for each other so that you can have the things that were meant for the current version of you, not the version of you that met them a few years ago.
1: A hundred percent. All of that. And also... Treat this as an opportunity to do some self-reflection. Maybe there were things that you might have been able to do better in that friendship, but also maybe there weren't. And I think it's a really good time to sort of think about the kind of friend that you want to be and that you are. But don't start from a position of like, I've done something terribly wrong because you haven't, you really haven't. You're going through something that is inevitably human and you'll be stronger for it.
0: Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Last question. How do you make new friends as an adult outside of the bar and club scene and apps?
1: What a lovely question.
0: <laughs> How do you make friends
1: as an adult?
0: I've I've started doing this thing a year ago on my Instagram during the pandemic. Yeah. I would make an Instagram post and just put the caption as make friends and flirt in the comments and it would get Love thousands that. of comments and i was like all of these women who messaged me have so fucking much in common and i was like okay let me just make an instagram post and then all these people started connecting in the comments so i know that that's not like um it's not a dating app and it's still uh using the internet to do that kind of stuff so i think in a in a non-digital way it would be frequently visiting the same places or yeah. showing up, especially if you're freelance um frequently visiting the same cafes getting to know the people who like serve your drink even and then becoming a bit of a regular Anywhere, even if you shop at a certain fucking charity shop, like anywhere, is frequenting the same places because that's how we made friends when we were younger in school, in institutions. You frequented the same places. I think it's even better if it's somewhere that you have some kind of like common interest, like maybe yeah, like cafes. I think work really well and bookstores stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think having those small interactions with the person who makes your tea or someone you walk past in the park. And smiling at them and being open to having a short conversation. Like that is really amazing practice. And if we want to get woo-woo about it, which I always do, (laughs) it's a sign to the universe that your heart is open for friendship. And so even just doing those small things can really help. Then there's all the kind of other advice about like join a book club. (laughs) (laughs) Which has at its core exactly what you were saying, which is a kind of similar interest Mm. scape. But I think it's that thing of um, starting out your day being open with that intent. And then you'll realize that friends can be found in so many different places that you never establish, And also go on Florence's Instagram yeah. <laughs> and have fun and flirt in the comments. I
0: just I just wanted to like let people know that this is not something to be ashamed of, not being able to make friends. And that's why I did it, is because I know that there are so many... I think most women actually just crave friendship with cool other women. I still walk into rooms sometimes and I'm like, God, that girl is so cool. She'd never fucking talk to me. And I just, that's why I made those posts because I think most women, we almost like assume that like you and with your best friend, you you thought that she was like, we're never going to get on because she's got all these people around her. She's so beautiful. She's glowing. And it's, um, most women do crave connection with each other. I just think there's a lot of things that get in the way of that.
1: Exactly. Remember always that you're comparing your insides with everyone else's outsides. You can never understand what personal battle someone's fighting, or how lonely they might feel. Or insecure. Or insecure. And so that's why it's really good to like open yourself up to the possibility of connection.
0: Oh my god i enjoyed that interview with elizabeth so much that was just such an incredible energy between the both of us and i find her so interesting and i absolutely love everything that she has to say and i really hope that this conversations focusing on friendship um, in terms of relationships can help you maybe have conversations like this with your friends and find ways to make your friendships more fulfilling because you don't have to resent your friends and you can choose your friends and you can learn and grow with your friends and i just think there's so much value in talking about friendship you can find elizabeth day on instagram at elizabeth day. that's at e-l-i-z-a-b-d-a-y and if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget i'll be answering even more of your questions on the bonus episodes that are available to subscribers of apple podcasts you can ask me absolutely anything if you want your question answered by me, you can drop me a text or a voice note on WhatsApp on plus And a massive thank you to the fucking incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for my podcast. You can find them on Instagram at Black Honey UK and check out their latest album called Written and Directed. To keep yourself updated with all the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take the time to rate us wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a review. It really does help people to find us and make sure that the people who need to hear these conversations do. This is a podcast from something else. My producer is Millie Charles. My assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mail. Production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I wanna give a special thanks to our engineers, Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs, and mixing engineer, Gully Lawrence Tickle. Additional production from Chris Skinner and Teddy Riley.